Welcome to the Inspired Wild Podcast. I am your host, Trevin Stoltz, and I am joined today by my good buddy, Chris Honstein. Chris, you and I have known each other for a while. We've got to hunt together. We've uh, shared quite a few adventures, but I think the big thing that we've done together is our off-season training. We always train together. We have done gone through the train to hunt for years and years, and now the alpha bow hunting. And um, it's always fun because we push each other. We've both dealt with target panic. We've both gone through these similar, you know, challenges, these similar similar journeys in the off season. And then, but we don't get to hunt together quite as much as we'd like. No, and we do shoot league. We do shoot league every yeah, Wednesday night yeah, together. Right. Well, and I kind of look at that as off season. I mean, yeah. every Wednesday we're uh, pushing each other, challenging each other, betting our little side bets. It's it makes it fun. It keeps the competition in it more than just oh going and punching foam. Which I'm on the losing end of that, but with you, so well, yeah, I got to step my game up. You got to. <laughs> so. Um, I want to jump right into this because we have had uh, an. It, we, this past weekend was interesting for both you and I. Um, I want to first start off by introducing the 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 unique property that you have access to uh, in, really just east of I twenty five. We're not going to necessarily give it away. We don't need to, but it's uh, about a forty five acre. Is it sixty? 60 acres okay so so it's a little bigger now okay but 60 acres still a small piece of property on uh, on the edge of a river and i always joke it's a property you can see wendy's the sign from wendy's from right <laughs> yeah you can you know and um so it's it's what you would call just on the edge of this town and um and you've been friends with the owner for quite a while yeah several years i've known him and um one of the unique things about this is uh, you actually got me permission to take some some kids out there and turkey hunt um, a couple years ago, which was really cool because I got to take these kids out and they killed their first turkeys. That was awesome. But this property isn't a property; it doesn't have ag on it. It's it's next to some some ag ground. It's not necessarily known for holding a ton of turkeys, holding a ton of deer, but it is a thoroughfare. Yeah, I'd agree. And across the river is owned by a city where they've got, and then there's a sand gravel pit. And so there's all of this commotion and stuff around with these big cottonwoods and Russian olives and, well, you know, river bottom yeah. uh, type type ground. And you have two stands on there? Uh, I did. I have one this year, though. When, okay. And then he lets duck hunters go in. Yeah. So there's duck blinds <laughs> everywhere. So you're not only are you competing in some instances, like with deer hunting, you're competing with some of the uh, duck hunters just for just to be in there because it's such a small property. If there's somebody hunting ducks, it is going to disrupt the deer hunting because they're right there. And amazing, you know, amazingly, it 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 does affect it, but the way he has kind of scheduled it with us there's two of us actually down there right now that that do bow hunt on this property for deer and then he has uh duck hunters so we try to schedule it on different things or on different weekends different days um the good thing is is that my friend he lets me have priority on the property which is really nice because these duck hunters have been with him for a long time and the other guy that bow, bow hunts down there they grew up together in uh, elementary school um and um, Josh actually, he actually lived on that property at one point. Oh, so I didn't know that. Yeah, since they've known each other for a long, long time. Right. Um, so Josh and his dad hunt there, uh, but his dad rifle hunts. His dad does late season rifle. Right. And so you're you're going in there and you're working. Uh, Josh, uh, in years past, has actually had permission to hunt uh, the property across the kind of across the river. Yeah, it's catty corner from it. It's a, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I think it's like an organic farm or something he was hunting on. Yeah. And he lost that this year because of the gravel pits. Right. They bought up the property. So he's had, he's had the permission down there. Um, you know, Adam and I just, we became really good friends. And he just really started letting me have priority on the property. And so when I request, you know, hey, I, these are the dates I'd really like, which I try to pick the good dates, especially when the rut comes. 
um, he lets me have that time. Right. So that's the nice part about Cause it. Because the, the waterfowl season's long. Yeah. It's, I mean, those guys have a chance to, to hunt, you know, longer periods of time. And not, and, and really, what, what you want is the first two weeks in November. Yeah. But in years past, you've actually done really good early season, like uh, mid-October, yeah. when the bucks start pre-rut and they're starting to go look for does you've killed some amazing bucks in there that was actually one of the biggest bucks i took down there until this year uh was october 27th yeah and you know how how it goes before even pre-rut you see all the little bucks a ton of does which i was always happy seeing all the does in there because it was just a bedding spot and we know where the deer do come from and where they like to feed and all that kind of stuff well it just so happens that his piece of property just happens to be a really good bedding area and the does even when i go in there early summer to set up cameras those does are always there so that's always a plus because i know when the rut comes those bucks start cruising through there and, and looking for the does or you know just sniffing around whatever but we've seen a ton of scrapes in there and it's always around the bedding area and that's where my tree stand sits just off to the south of that bedding area and you're you're sneaking in there and hunting uh mainly afternoons but you have hunted some mornings yeah so, so down there, from what I've experienced over the years, the evenings are always the best. That's when we really see the bucks coming out, you know, right at dusk, the, the big bucks. And we kind of, you know, you and I have talked about it too, but you got those toads in there, those, those pigs, those big, big monster bucks. And then you got really decent bucks. And I know you and I talked about this last year because I got a little trigger happy and I took a decent buck and I was kind of kicking myself the rest of the season because the year before I shot that toad and I saw what was down there through trail cameras and in person. And last year, I don't know what it was. I, that, you know, he, he looked really nice and you I, got excited there, and did. there's nothing wrong with that. And the other unique thing about this property is it's, you can see the river and across the river, you'll sit there and see huge bucks cruising there and so you're grunting you're trying to call them over and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't um but i think it's interesting to note this is not a property that you go hey let's go in here we got a bunch of ground let's manage it no you're literally uh you're in the hallway between the 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 bedroom and the kitchen yes and 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 or, or the bathroom and the den i mean you're literally in a travel corridor so for you although you can grunt and stuff like that during the rut, maybe rattle a little bit, you can cause some excitement. But the main thing is patience. And they, and I do appreciate all the advice you give me. You know, I mean, I've been bow hunting for a long time, but you really got my mind settled to take your time, be patient. And this year, I was getting a little anxious because I didn't have a lot of vacation. I didn't actually didn't have any vacation time this year. I know. And so I was on edge. I mean, I was literally racing from work trying to get in the stand it's getting dark earlier oh yeah and so i was really pressed and so i was leaving all my gear at josh's and that's right across the road so it was easy to stop at josh's and go down there and hunt and um i saw some decent bucks and there was a bunch of i mean really good bucks anybody would take i mean even i would take in certain places and i was passing on them and i kept thinking about our conversations and i was thinking about last year because I, I gave you a hard time because i'm like i knew you shot that when did you shoot that buck last year early uh november 11th it was right right before like i was That's seeing right. different bucks every day uh, it was ju- the rut was just kicking in hardcore and then you'd shot that buck and i'm like dude what are you doing and you're like well he's a good buck well yeah he was a good buck but i knew what you had seen you'd shown me trail cameras from years prior and i'm like dude i would not shoot Anywhere else, if I was in Missouri, maybe even in Kansas, I'd have shot that buck, depending upon how old I thought he was. But for for there, I'm like, you don't shoot that buck. And, of course, part of that is just me busting on you. Um, Rightfully so, because I'll tell you, I, I every everything I take, it could be a doe, small buck. Like, I take some small bucks out in Nebraska because that's what it really offers you out there where I go. And that's kind of what you get. And I do look at putting some meat in the freezer first. But when you have a tag like that tag, and if people really knew, like you do, it's one you be patient with. And after I had shot that buck, trust me, and this is this was the kicker about it, is I actually had the two full weeks off coming up that week of the rut, going all the way into Thanksgiving. And I was given access those full two weeks to hunt. And nobody else would be down there. Mm. And Josh was hunting across the river, so it was just me. 
and I ended up doing that. I don't know why. I just got yeah, I got excited, but when I saw him at the angle he was in, I couldn't get a clear look at his antlers and his age. But when I saw the long tines and everything on him, I was like, oh, that's a buck I've seen before. Right. And you know, and I took him. Right. But the entire time I was looking at him, I kept I kept looking at everybody. I was like, would you guys shoot this buck? And I know I was already questioning myself because I should have waited. Good, good thing. This year is a great example of that. So I'm sitting where I'm hunting, which we'll get into that in a second. And you and I are texting. And you're literally texting me pictures of a buck that had come by and said, would you shoot this buck? I look at the buck. He's at least four and a half, if not five and a half. So for age, I'm saying, yeah. But you're like, uh, you know, and he's 140. Probably he, he was a good buck. Probably 140, 145 inch t- uh, 10 point. And you're you're just like, ah, I don't know. I've seen bigger bucks across the river. Da, 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 da. And he ended up coming back that night. And you're, I think what we ended up kind of deciding was, look, if you're questioning him, don't shoot him. Let him go. And you did. And you yep. made a good decision because you had the next day all planned out. That was all for you. And uh, and so and you know what we figured out really quick on that buck, the video that I sent you that Josh had sent me, that was him. That was that buck. The second buck that that he videoed that he videoed that he sent. That was him. I, I took pictures of it off what I filmed and what Josh filmed. That was the same buck, and I had three opportunities at him, and it just wasn't. It was just one of those things. I was like, man, it's just he's not the buck, you know. And it was a good buck. It was a great buck. And I, I passed him three times. I actually grunted him back in across from the river. He was across, and I grunted him. He ran right back to me, and that's when I was texting you mm-hmm. and saying, would you take that buck? And well, he came right into 30 yards, and I passed him. But you had you knew you had some more time, too. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't the last day. And you were seeing such good movement. Now, let's just say this. Let's be honest. If you hadn't seen another deer in two days, yeah. You would probably be a lot more jumpy to go ahead and let the air out of that one. But you were seeing other good bucks, and you were seeing them cruising. I was actually seeing, in the evenings I was down there, I was actually seeing about two to three monster bucks 100 yards away from me across the river. And I figured it was just a matter of time. They're going to cross at some point. And the third night I think I was down there before I was out there Saturday morning, um they were trying to cross and then the buck or the doe would turn around and go back and i was like you know i'm gonna be hunting here tomorrow morning i'm gonna pass that buck because the two that were across that evening were monster bucks Mm -hmm. and i looked back at it and i was thinking about it and the one i actually ended up with he was one of the ones that was across the river with the doe that was the one that really tried hard to cross so i figured you know what in the mornings they might be on this side evenings are over here and then the next day they, right. they were on that side so talk us through what happened that morning so um it actually that morning was pretty quiet i mean i had one small buck and the wind was not that stand is in such a position i don't have another stand on the property right now so i got to use that stand and i got to deal with whatever wind i get the wind was coming out of the it was blowing to the southeast mm-hmm. and that blows pretty close to the bedding area but you're morning so what you're hunting is deer coming back to the bedding area so you're actually if you had to hunt a southeast wind that's the time to do it if they're coming from the north i'm perfect right or across the river i'm set so what happened that morning was um i had a younger buck that did come out from the bedding area and i think he was just cruising though but he went through that bedding area he came out and he was right in front of me but the wind was blowing that direct he caught my scent and he took off and i was really bumming about it well I kept looking around. I saw a couple does across the river, and I figured, you know, the, hey, the bucks are going to be around. Those does are by themselves. And I just happened to look down to the south, and it was on our side. Um, that buck and doe were down there. And I couldn't tell how good that buck was. I just saw him. He was actually down in front of my truck where I was parked. And then I saw him run around, and I saw the doe, and I was like, oh, okay. So we probably got a pretty dominant buck here. He's got a doe with him. Well, then the doe ran down the river bottom towards the stand. She was on the beach. And she came right back up the path. I knew she was going to come on because there's a path they take. And I was like, perfect. They're going to come by, by the, right by the stand. And then when he popped up, finally, when he got closer, I was like, that's a shooter. That's a big buck. Well, they were probably 70 yards from me down to the south of the stand. 
and I was like, honestly, I was like, please, Lord, just let this guy come by. That is a shooter buck. And the doe was really jumpy, and she ends up going to the top where the prairie dog field is and stuff. And she ran all the way across that, almost going towards the, the highway. And they were all the way over there. And I was like, oh, man. You know, is she going to stay over there? And it wasn't only that them staying over there because they bed in that section, behind, actually behind Adam's house. Right. And I was like, oh, man, if they stay there, you know, then I'm going to have to sit here all day and hopefully they come back. Well, she sat over there and then that buck bed it down. And then he got right back up. And when he turned and he was facing away from me, I actually saw how big that buck was. And I was like, man, that's a really good buck. But I was afraid of the, the doe running to the north and going around this little log pile that goes into the bedding area, which I'd have no shot at all. And it'd be right downwind. Yep. And yeah. so I watched him for a little bit, and I think I was kind of texting you at that time, mm -hmm. too. And I was, you know, I kept, I kept glassing him, and I was trying to see where the doe was, and I couldn't see it. Well, all of a sudden, I see him running, and they're coming right towards me, and I finally saw the doe, and she was at the edge of the river bottom. She'd and already gotten past you? No, she has. She was on the edge above me. Oh, I got you. I got um, you. She was about on the to east drop, side. Yeah, right, about to drop down in. Yeah. So I saw her standing there, and I was like, "Well, if she comes right down here and doesn't go around that log." And there's you just have to see it. You know where it's at. But there's a big log there, and they go around it. You're just there's no shot at all. But if she comes right down on that path, they go right past me, 35, 40 yards. But the wind is blowing that way, and it's blowing hard. And I have this little. And, and I had it all figured out the next day. I was even thinking about everything, about my shot sequence and all this stuff of what I was going to do if I had this opportunity. Well, that wind was blowing that way, and I actually had to take the rack off the stand and lay it down so I could kneel down on the stand. That gave me all the shooting lanes because I wasn't shooting over those trees or through the limbs. Right. So I knelt down and I put... Because you're sitting in a double uh, ladder stand set, which does have, fortunately enough, a rail... With netting around it. For... You'd rest a gun on yep. if you were rifle hunting, right? So you take that. Wow. I, I that, took, and this is all happening right away. That takes some, you had to have thought that out. I did. I actually moved, I actually picked up the railing earlier in the morning just to know I could, I could set it down. So if I had to kneel down, because the day before, or let's just take you back, before that Saturday, I was out there Sunday night. And that's when it blew up. That's when the faucet turned on. Someone hit the light switch. Yeah. And there was. I had like five does in that bedding area, 40 yards away from me. And they were behind all those little weeds and everything, but there were some shooting lanes. But every time I stood up, there was a monster buck in there that was running those does. Well, then I had, I don't know, it was five big bucks. They came from everywhere. They just came in there. But everything kept going behind and I couldn't stand up and shoot. And I even, I even sat down and tried to shoot. And I just couldn't get the shot. And this one buck in there was beautiful. I mean, he was a real monster. And... So after all that happened on Sunday, I was thought about it through the week and I was like, well, I'd have to go cut those limbs down, but I don't have that kind of time because by the time I get in there, if I start sawing branches down, I could mess something up in the bedding area. So I just go to my stand. Well, that, that morning I was like, well, what if I just took the railing down and knelt down? So you got lower. Yep. And that's what I did. And I actually practiced it before this even happened. And I said, okay, this will slide out really quick. I can set it down. I can kneel. So she's coming. She's on the edge. I am literally trying to put my binos back and grab this and I'm grabbing my release out of my pocket and I'm putting all this down while I'm trying to hold everything. And she comes down and I kneel down on that and all the shooting lanes open except these two limbs I had to shoot through on this one little section, which is might've been probably my problem on, on the shot, but she comes down, she sticks her nose in the air, she stops. And I'm like, oh, please don't, don't, don't bust me, don't bust me. And it's blowing and blowing and blowing right at her and she stops for a good minute and her nose is in the air and i was like they're gonna bust but you did ha it wasn't a small breeze mm -hmm. it was because uh, i was sitting in a tree stand that same morning it was blowing, blowing hard 15 20 miles per About hour 20 at least yeah so it was blowing hard and so it was supposed to be 30 or 40 that day it picked up later yeah and i'm thinking okay is this wind blowing over her because of our distance and where we're at, but she's she's kind of checking it out, and then all of a sudden she puts her head down, and she feeds right off to the left of me, and that's out of the direction of the wind. Well, he finally comes right down in there, and then he stops in the same spot, and he puts his nose up. Well, this is where I had the shot I took, but there was two limbs that were split far enough apart that I even looked through with my binos to make sure there was no other limbs in the way. 
And I did all this before this even happened because of that bedding area. And he stopped in the same spot. And I was like, okay, he's 40 yards. I knew the distance and everything. So I drew back, put the 40 pin on him. And I went through the whole shot sequence. I was like, okay, your bubble's level. Your pin's on his chest. And I had, I was at full draw. And I was like, just take your release off. Because I have that hinge with the safety. And I just slowly took it off. And I was like, okay, he's right there. And I just started slowly, slowly pulling. And it just, it surprised me. Which is, is the reason we shoot hinges. Yep. Because of the surprise release. And um, so normally in a shooting at foam, when it surprises you, it's usually a pretty good shot. Yeah. And that's, that, and that's exactly what I thought. Because it surprised me where I almost closed my eyes. Like it just was like, boom, it was just there. And I heard the smack. And he takes this quick turn. And I saw him even, he slowly ducked, but the, the level of the shot was perfect. And I saw him turn, and he left the doe right away. And I was like, well, that's a good shot. But when he turned, I didn't see no hole. And that's what really got me concerned, but I knew something was wrong. Because he was at, he got away from the doe right away. And he went back up on the top, and he stopped, and he, like, did a circle. And I know he was looking back at that doe, but then I saw his leg, and it was just covered in blood. And I was like trying to figure out like what it just what just happened did i hit a limb did something go wrong and i really couldn't figure it out and that's when i started texting you right and i said you know something went wrong here um is that already run down that front leg well and the other thing you were texting me is look which uh i mean he kind of had got they'd gotten out of the way you went down you grabbed your arrow you looked it around a little blood and you didn't go after him right away. No. Which was the smart thing, which I'm texting you, get back in your tree stand. Yeah, yeah. Because the whole thing is, hold on. You're not going to hurt anything if you get back in your tree stand. If he, and you you could see him for what, 200 yards, 300 yards across that field? Um, I lost him in the field, but yeah, he was probably a good 150 at least, maybe 200 when I last saw him. And he was heading south. Yes, and now he totally left the doe, so that's a good sign. Yep. He's definitely hurt if he's if he's left a hot doe during the rut. And he, so you said, if I remember correctly, he was making a few circles like you thought he was going to bed down in the field as he headed south. Well, actually in that prairie dog field, uh-huh. his back legs came together. And I thought he was going to fall right there. And I'm still trying to figure out where this... And you did, he was so far you didn't have another shot. Oh, no, no. Yeah. But I was like, okay, he's going to lay down right there as something's, you know, I must have got him good. And he didn't. Like, they, he looked like he was going to fold for one second, but he kept he kept doing circles. So I knew something was wrong. And um, so I sat, I sat in the tree, I think, for another hour and a half. And I had to get back to the truck. So I just got down and I just was like, you know, I'm going to go see where I shot him. And I saw the blood and the blood started getting better. You know, yeah, like, right away. Right away. So I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to go up in this top field and just head to the truck. Well, then that's when I found the blood trail. And every time he stopped, there was pools. And, and, I, and you're texting me when you're sitting in the tree stand. Dude, there's an artery. And I started looking through some stuff, the artery that, that runs down the back of the front leg. Yep. Um, and I'm like, well, yeah, there is an artery there. Um, you got to kind of, I mean, you would, it would have to be kind of like the femoral or femoral, whichever you say that, in the back leg. It's not something you're shooting at. No. But if you hit it, it's it's a pretty good – they're dead. Yeah, they're dead. Um, but he also had gone quite quite a ways. And it was – and the way he was acting, because like you, when you texted me back and said, is he limping or is he on a trot? You know, like what's he doing? I was like, well, he had a slow trot, but then he went to a walk. And when I got out of the tree stand, I followed just that trail that led basically kind of behind the truck, a little ways behind the truck. But that's as far as I went to the field. But every time he stopped, those were the pictures I was sending you. I was like, well, dude, he's, he's got these pools here. Right. I had to have hit that artery. Was his head down? No, his nose was up in the air. Okay. 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 Because okay. I'll get to that, too, because uh, another thing. That yeah, that's when I thought I was going to get busted right. because he was sniffing, too, and I the doe went by. But I was like, if he busts me, he's going to. No, but when he was running off, like when he oh, was starting, no, no. was his head low? Like when he'd, when he'd start walking, would he hang his head or would he hold his head upright like just a normal deer? He didn't hold it up. He It wasn't hanging, but it was like in the middle. Okay. Like, okay. like he was kind of like walking away like he was hurt, right? but okay. still strong enough. So I found that blood trail, and I was pretty optimistic with what I was seeing. I was like, well, that artery had to get hit, but how did I hit that? Like, why did I, why was the shot the way it was? I had that right on, on his, you know, on his chest. And, and he's broadside. Broadside. Yeah. 
And that's when I texted you and I said, well, I'm sitting in my truck. This is what I found. I'm going to go ahead and let him set. And you're like, yep, yeah, give him several hours. Yeah, I, I think I even said I'd give him till like uh, 2 o'clock. 2 o'clock. Yeah. Six hours is what it would have been. Right. And that's what we did. Well, and the only reason that, so I, it was three hours I think we were into it since I shot him. And I noticed that the farmer on the one property, he was getting ready to plow the field again. And at that time, Josh had just shown up and he's like, do you want to go look for it? And I said, well, they're going to start plowing that field. That blood trail goes right through it. And it's already a plowed field already. And he's like, well, let's just walk across the field and see if we can find it. And then we'll just stop at the river's edge. And when we walked through that field, going through that plowed field, I could not believe how he was pumping that blood out. But, so he you, was, you, but he was still going. But you're feeling pretty confident now. Yeah, because I couldn't believe. I, I thought we were going to find specks, and mm -hmm. we found a trail all the way across. And that's when I told Josh, I said, well, something happened on the shot. I don't know if I hit a limb, but I have a feeling I hit that artery up in that front leg. And he goes, well, with what we're seeing, it definitely, he's, he's pumping the blood out. It's not a flesh wound. It's not a meat wound. And that's when we stopped. But when we got to the other side of that field after following this nice blood trail through that plowed field, it looked like he. we found one spot. He had blood on both sides. And I don't know how that happened, but that's where we thought there was an entry and an exit. Oh, he could have just stopped turned and turned. And, yep. Now we know he did. Right. And then we ended up looking over the fence, and then we saw a really good blood trail where he stopped. And he was just another pool. And I was like, this deer has got to be right there. So right Except after that. Well, we didn't have permission on that property. Right. So And I, you did the right thing. You took the time, which number one, it also gave you a little bit more time. In hindsight, you didn't need it. The, the buck was dead. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is you did the right thing by going, finding the landowner, meeting with them, sharing what happened, and they said, yeah, go, go, yeah, go, go recover them. Really nice people. Um, the thing is, thank God I had the Onyx. I had it right on my phone, looked it up, found out who it was, and all I did was I did a Google search on him. Found the guy. He was a local right in town. I called him up, and him and his wife came down. All they wanted to see is where he crossed. And I showed him, and I said, I can take you all the way to the tree stand, everything, show you the blood trail. And they're like, nope, we just wanted to know that he crossed from this property to this property. And they, they left, and they said, roam the property, go find your deer. And that's what we did, and I felt so much better, like that I was able to. They were able to come down with us, right? And they were super nice people, and they're like, we went across, and then that's where we started following that blood trail, and and I kept, like I said, we kept finding those big pools of blood, and one almost looked like it was lung blood. It did. Um, I actually stumbled onto it. Uh, now I'll jump into the story a little bit because my daughter had a volleyball tournament. And of course, I'm texting you all day, and then I find that you found the owner and that you were going to get back on the blood trail. Well, I'm only about 12 miles from you at this juncture because yeah. I'm halfway. Usually, I'm probably about 45 minutes to the property from my house, and I'm half or more than half that distance. So I said, my daughter had two games off, so I'm not going to. I'm going to sit there in my truck for two hours because they won't let you sit in the gym. And I'm like, or right, I'm going to go help Chris look for this deer. So I bust butt over there. And you guys have already at this juncture, he's crossed the river and you've reacquired his blood trail on the other side of the river. Yep. I have knee-high boots. You were smart and had waders because <laughs> the river was about thigh deep. Yeah, I actually went home and got those. So I'm texting you and I get there and you come back. I jump on your back, you <laughs> carry me across the river, and then we get back on. And it was cool because I hadn't met Josh yet, so I meet Josh, and um, and then yeah. So take it from there. So yeah, after I went and got you, and which, like I said, there's so many side stories. It was great, which I I was very thankful that you came down and helped us because the more people, the better. Right. Because if we just had to grid search, yeah, th th it's just the more eyes, the better. And I almost thought we were going to do that when I brought you across the river and showed you that. Well, there was a couple spots that were big spots. It started to trickle, and then that's when we got a little concerned because that field was really wide and open, though. So I felt like he's deep, yeah, deep brush, deep brush. So I figured he was going to be laying in a patch somewhere. But like you said, the grid search is probably what was going to happen. And then I showed you that one last where he was in that brush, and you could see he was circling in that brush. That, to me, was indicating he was getting ready to die, the way he just kept circling inside that brush. And you get to a point where you run out of blood. As much blood as he had, I mean, yeah. So that's a pretty good assumption. And so 
uh, Josh had already kind of made a little circle, but I think our best bet was, okay, hey, you keep trying to stay on the blood trail. Josh was going to make a big swing to the right, which was to the west, and I was going to make a big swing to the east. And we were going to try and come and see if we could just make a swath and either get back on a good blood trail or find the deer. And what I then, yeah, and I stayed in the middle, and what I was trying to do was find the blood again that trickles through there. And that's what I started doing. And I mean, it was seconds, I think it was, when you took off. Well, what I did is I, I, I the, the river winds. So it goes through the property like an S here. And um, where you carried me across, well, the river had then kind of gone and made a big swing to the east and was swinging, and it was heading south. Yep. Or actually, it's flowing north, but it's, but, but it was heading back south. Um, and, and kind of east so it's a big it's like a big boat. s yeah yeah and i was just going to go hit the creek and then walk the creek or the river and because it's not a creek it's definitely a yeah. river and walk it back and i just happened to get to the edge and i'm looking around and i happen to look back over my shoulder back down the river a little ways and i see this body with this half a <laughs> rack sticking out of the out of the freaking river and i go he's right here you don't even the relief that went through me but i'll be honest with you when when you first yelled because you were a little ways away from me right i thought you just were trying to tell me you found blood again and i was like oh cool well he found the blood trail and i looked up and then you started pointing down the river and i was like he found him right and you're like yeah he's right here he's right here in the river and i just this relief just went and, and it was relief but it was disbelief because i hate losing any animal but the fact that I knew that this was like a monster buck and just really want to, you know, I mean, it, it, I don't know. Sometimes it just doesn't work out. It does, especially when but you make a sketchy shot. Yeah. Right. And and the the, th- the thing that I think is important about this is you about your story is the fact that you you did everything in your power. You did everything right from playing the scenario over in your mind if you get this shot what how am i going to make this shot i'm going to take the railing off i'm going to kneel down there's my shooting lane two i'm going to get back in my stand and wait an hour and a half then i'm going to get in my truck and i'm going to uh you know wait even more then when i can't go on the property i'm gonna go find the owner yeah i mean you did all of these things right and and you were blessed with uh, a pretty pretty amazing trophy whitetail yeah he's a. Uh... He's one of the ones down there we call a toad. Well, I, and what was cool about it was we're a ways from the truck. And the ability, I think he died further up the river. And I think he floated to that point. I think he went bank. through that thicket and and then tried to cross the river or, or went down and then couldn't get out. And I think he's, then he was done. And I think he floated to that point. Um, so you just took your belt off. Tied it around his antler, and then you just got him out in the current. Hey, and we was... walked him all the way around to where we could almost get the truck within and thank God we did. 25 yards. Even right. even after um, gutting him, he was still hard to get up that bank to get him to the truck. What when you, when you broke him down, what did you find inside the cavity? Um, I mean, as you looked at him, I mean, did you? There was a you... lot of blood in there. But did you did you did you clip the lungs and then come through when he when he ducked and spun? Did did you find that you you clipped the lungs or was no. that literally the? So when we really took a look at him when we broke him down, we took him to Josh's shop and hung him up there and we looked through him a little bit. Um, it, it took the artery out. It, it was it hit him in the shoulder, and that artery that the part where it hit him in the shoulder that artery is running down the inside of that leg. It hit the artery. And that's why when he kept moving, he just kept pumping. Right. And when you and I were looking it up and, you know, about that artery in the front leg, and I was like, you know, I did something wrong, but he is bleeding really bad. And when I was reading that article, it was like, well, you want him to keep moving a little bit because he'll just keep pumping that blood out and he'll bleed out. I think he actually, I shot him at 7 a.m., I think is what it was. I think he was dead in that hour. Oh, yeah, for sure. And when we found him, we found him five hours later six hours later and he was so stiff and everything yeah i think he went across the river he bedded down that one time i found him or found the spot where he laid and then he went down that creek bottom a little bit and every time he stopped he was bleeding 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 it was like big pools i knew he wasn't going to be far but when i saw that and then we saw what i had actually did which was 
Honestly, it was a terrible shot. I don't know what happened. I honestly don't know if I hit a limb when that happened. And that's the way, because the height was perfect. You but, was, yeah. But well, I don't I, know what really happened on that shot. I mean, I had the pin on his chest. I went through my shot sequence. You know, even telling myself, because there's times I got a little jittery when I would take that safety off. Like, I'm when I take the safety off, it's almost like you're pulling your trigger and you're waiting for that arrow to go and you kind of get shaken. I went through that whole sequence and I took that safety off and I was like, pin on, just start slowly pulling back and I don't know what happened. I don't know if I, and I was shooting through two limbs, but it was a, it was a wide opening. So I don't know if that's what happened and it clipped and, and shot the arrow forward and I lucked out and I, you know, all I can say is I'm grateful and blessed and I thank God that we recovered him because I felt terrible that that happened instead of it being a double lung shot like it should have been. Um, but when we did look at him, yeah, it was, it, it hit the artery perfect and took him down. And like I said, he probably died within that first hour. But like talking to you and this, and the, the stuff I've gone through in the past, I had all day. You know, this wasn't like nighttime where those coyotes are going to get to him. Right. You know, I had all day. So I was like, you know, it's worth the wait. He'll be fine. And sure enough, we all found him together. And, and uh, a lot of good thinking went into that, you know, us talking to each other. And even the thought about, like, let's float him down the river was, was classic, but it was perfect. Um, like I said, after that deer, he was still hard to get up that hill. Oh, he was in heavy. The truck. He, he was, was a, heavy. He was a real big buck. Well, I, I think there's a... I mean, things happen, and um, deer move when you shoot. It's amazing at 35, 40, heck, even at 20 yards, how much a deer can duck, and especially if he's ducking and spinning, um, what can happen. And that's a possibility, too. So, you know, you have the pin right on him, he ducks and spins, and instead of hitting, you know, that's one of the cool things about video is I can put my finger where I would put my pin, and then in, and then frame by frame go and see where number one did I did did my arrow go where my pen should have been, which could be me. I mean I could be, you know, moving a little bit, or what does his movement cause? And I have seen deer. Last year in Kansas, I shot a deer who dropped 18 inches, and I know he lived, and I hit him high right through the nape of the neck and so you, there's a lot that can happen so the one thing that i was going to ask you or talk to you about i've seen it before just on tv and stuff what i was thinking you know at times when like you were talking about a deer jumped a string and things like that have you ever seen where they kind of back up a sec before they they turn and everything happened so quick. I mean, I was excited. I won't, I won't lie, but I did go through the sequences to calm myself down and make a good shot. I almost feel like I wonder if that's what happened. Is well, like they, he kind of they're preloading. Yeah. So like, if you're going to jump up onto a box, like a box jump, what do you do? You go down and back a little bit to load, and then uh, yes, people can't see me, but I'm doing the motion. <laughs> um, and to to get, I that, wonder if that's what happened. It's very possible. It's very possible. What I've started doing is I'm taking, and people might criticize me for this, but for whitetail, I've started shooting them for five yards less. Okay. So let's say they're 30, 30 yards. I'm putting my 30-yard pin at uh, basically a little high. So um, I'm basically shooting them for 25. Okay. And the reason I'm not... Uh, my 30 year is that right 30 yeah yes that'd be right because what i'm looking for is um i'm i'm expecting that jump the duck or the, the lunge duck. or something yeah. yeah um so uh I, di I did that in kansas on my buck he was well the first deer i just had a implosion if you want to listen to that you can listen to the kansas uh podcast the biggest deer of my life or my nemesis that was interesting. and i screwed that up but then when i killed the deer that i did kill that night he was 35 yards and i shot him for 30 and he ducked but i pinwheeled him because if if they don't duck you're still probably going to hit the heart if they do duck you're still solid in the lungs but if you shoot them for what they are and they duck a lot like that Kansas deer last year, yeah, I, I, I didn't miss him. I gave him a haircut. Yeah. 
and um, or as the trad guys like to say, they nick them. <laughs> um, um, it's so, amazing how much movement they can have, though. It, the, one of the best deers, a deers. What the heck am I from Kentucky? One of the best bucks I've ever shot at in my life was called. We called him Bonfire. He was a Missouri buck. That if you remember, you remember okay, yep. he, 170 inch buck, and at 32 yards, his brisket hit the ground. I sh- I didn't even hit him. I shot him out of a ground blind, and he knew something was up. And when I shot, his brisket hit the the ground. Now, the next year, my cousin killed him in September, early season, 204. He blew up that next year. Wow. So I'm kind of glad I missed him because my cousin ended up killing the buck cool. of a lifetime. But um, so I think part of that is learning. I don't do that for mule deer. I don't do that for elk. I do it for antelope and I do it for whitetail. Antelope are pretty jumpy too, as you know. You've killed quite a few. Um, you know, and they'll. Now, when you're shooting them, that all depends. If you're shooting them at 20 yards, to 45 yards, you get that. When you start shooting them further, it's almost like they duck and they're already coming back up. Yeah, yeah. You almost shoot them for what they are. I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I would not shoot them for five yards less past 40 yards or past 45 yards. So where, where I ended up hitting him was probably, it probably been a yard or two lower than where that shot was, where I had the placement at. I mean, I had the double lung. All day long right and i think of all the animals i've hunted even all the antelope i've taken a lot of antelope and i've never had that problem like i have had with whitetail and it's even does i mean i've mm-hmm. shot does out of ground blinds had a tree stands out in nebraska and it's amazing how they duck i shot a doe last year in missouri late season and they were so sketched out she was 40 yards and i shot her for 30. And she ducked right in, and I pinwheeled her. But I would have literally missed her had I shot her for 40. But I took 10 yards off because I'd already, we'd already been picked. The does were just jumpy. Yeah. And we didn't have the back cover. So you're in a tree stand, but you're pretty much silhouetted because there's not a leaf on the tree left, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well, let's switch real switch gears real quick because that, I mean, a freaking amazing deer. A huge, huge uh whitetail and i want to talk about what i'm doing at this time because you and i are back and forth because we're probably hunting as the crow flies within five miles of each other would you say are we that close uh it's a little bit farther okay but not very far so i'm a little further east than you and a little further north north yep yeah and um i'm hunting around uh a, a lake and on this reservoir my buddy scott um manages the property and um he had been seeing they they duck hunt on it there's a duck hunting club club that's on, that on one. It, yep which we talk about duck hunting but there's enough property there the deer literally get used to those guns going off and they don't even flinch now you're hunting a property that's 60 acres and if the duck hunters are there they're right where the deer would be here the duck hunters are hundreds of yards from where the yeah. deer are and i've actually watched deer feed and listen to the duck hunters and the geese hunters just blam away and the deer not even flinch <laughs> right so it's a little different it, it's different and really quick before you uh, go on that because it's, it's the same thing so down where i'm at yeah they're right by our tree stand where they duck hunt um the one thing i did i thought about a lot is those deer do get used to some of the stuff down there I took a buddy down there and my son-in-law actually for them to duck hunt. I didn't even duck hunt. I went down there and filmed them a little bit. And the deer would run behind us all day long. But they weren't stopping. They were running because they were shotguns and everything. But I was still amazed that we were seeing those deer going up and down those river bottoms like that. So that always gave me promise that even though we're that close to the duck hunters, that I still have a chance. But not when they're there. But, I mean, we still got a chance. So, So, um couple years ago we uh, scott and i uh, he ended up getting some landowner permits that um he could apply for and i was using one he would use one and then we'd get one for our, our our girls and i actually took avery out there two years ago with her bow she had she had an archery um and we kept blowing deer we had this one blind 
that we would get into because the deer would just move through this area off of this peninsula because there's this little peninsula that would jet out and then the lake would be right here well it's travel corridor so i set up a blind set up a camera and the deer were just moving and there was a pretty good buck in there well scott and i had already killed our our deer and we both got decent mule deer i remember that and there was a really good whitetail in there that we called gangrene and we called him gangrene because we saw trail cam pictures the first year he had this slice on his back like someone shot high and it was infected sure and so it looked kind of gross so we called him gangrene well he lived and now he's just got a really dark spot there on his back because we've seen him last couple years and he's pretty decent buck so we've got whitetail and mule deer but what this place holds is does primarily like you're not going to go in there in september and see a bunch of bucks you're just not going to do it you're going to see does well guess what first week of november guess what happens bucks start showing up so we have been tracking these well i took my daughter in there and we kept blowing deer out because they'd be feeding in this field and we'd have to go through that field to get to, into the blind so we'd bump deer coming in get into the blind in the dark we'd bump them get in the blind then we wouldn't see another deer sure because so i had this it was in december and it was only getting down to like 25 degrees so i took we took sleeping bags and we slept in the blind it was the coolest thing and she was all for it and we woke up the next morning at first light and i looked out and the deer were there and the big buck was with them and they came in to 35 yards but i wouldn't let her shoot more than 30. Oh, gotcha. so we were so close but she didn't of course she's bow hunting and right. she was only pulling about 35 pounds so i wanted it to be close anyway she didn't get a deer that year and was some uh, somewhat disappointed i guess you could say um but for sure it was a great experience well this year she has a rifle tag in there and um which i'm excited about i need to kind of do a little more figuring on how we're gonna hunt a rifle in there but going back to my story so again this year scott and i um started putting out trail cameras middle october all of a sudden bucks started showing up little bucks you know nothing nothing major and then i went on my whitetail run in kansas and missouri and came back and scott had taken some time and he was going to hunt and he had actually passed already while i was gone he'd passed on a couple smaller whitetail and a uh a three by four mule deer that I think he passed on again yesterday. And, you know, you're looking yeah. for something just a little bit better. And um, I went out there and he's like, man, we need a tra tra tree stand hung here. And so the morning I was texting you, I was actually sitting in a, in a tree stand that I had hung the day before. Didn't see a stinking deer. But part of it was because it's kind <laughs> of on a point and the deer are going to be right there or or they're not going to be around and um so i'm texting you in this stand and um and then i had other things to do that was saturday my daughter's volleyball game and then i went and helped you well my plan was to hunt uh sunday night sunday evening i uh, went to church sunday morning and then i got home and then i had we had one more tree stand we, i wanted to hang and it was where we used to have that ground blind in okay. that same little trail so i went out there and i hung the tree stand and wind started blowing it and this you know tree, hanging a tree stand by yourself can take a little longer than you think but i got it up and got everything made sure everything was right and then i said okay i'm gonna go sit in this other stand and it was in another peninsula that goes out into the lake now this year the lake is dry yeah i saw that not completely but it's quite smaller so there's a ton of beach i don't want to quite call it beach <laughs> but but basically that's because the water's not usually it's all the way filled up right and it's not so they, these deer have a lot of area they can they're not just stuck to their one little trails but they're creatures of habit so i'm i get my harness on get all my stuff grab my bow grab my backpack and i'm walking in this two-track road 
and I'm coming around. And I'm gonna get in this tree stand, and just basically, I don't know what I'm gonna see, but I'm gonna got my binoculars. I'm just gonna kind of see how the deer are moving, setting it up to to hunt it and tighten the noose, if you will. And I look up, and there's mule deer under my stand, and I'm like 60 yards away. That's the one you're walking to right now. The one I'm walking to to get into, and I'm like, oh crud! So I hit the dirt, and I kind of poke up, grab my binos, and I'm looking, and I see this rack. So I know there's a good buck. Well, I didn't recognize that buck. I hadn't seen that buck this year so far. I had come to full draw on another 4x4 that was in with them. This was not that buck. And then I'd let down. I decided, no, it's a little too early to shoot him. Mainly, not that he wasn't a good deer, but mainly just because I didn't want my hunt to be over so <laughs> so quickly. So here I am, got all my whitetail stuff on, my harness, you know, I'm, I've got my backpack on and I'm like, well, well, can I make a, can I crawl at him? And then I'm like, ah, you know, he's, he is intent on this one doe, but there's like four or five other does and some smaller four corn bucks that are kind of, you know, they're just kind of milling, right? A lot of and, eyeballs. And then they end up moving out into the lake bed. And they're feeding on something. I don't know what it was, but I in, in the in that using the cover, I backed out and I went all the way back to the truck, which is about 150 yards away. And uh, I just kind of now I'm completely out of their 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 radar. No no worry bumping them or anything. And I'm just watching them. And I'm watching this buck. And now they're probably about 250 yards from me, out on the edge or out in where the lake would normally be. But they're feeding on something that's coming up. And, uh, of course, the buck's not feeding. All he's doing is following this doe. doe. <laughs> and then he'd bed down, and then another buck would come out of the timber or the, the cottonwoods. And another little buck, and he'd get up and run them off. So during all of this chaos, I jumped in the truck. And, of course, as you know, there's a lot of guys in the oil industry that yep. are out there checking wells and doing all these different stuff so there's a lot of tra- so i just got in and drove on the on the two track just like i was checking oil but i did a big loop around so that i could sneak into these russian olives that are or salt cedars i don't know what they're called what just scrub scrub, scrub oak or whatever scrub brush, scrub brush on the yeah. edge and of course there's leaves and everything but the winds picked up so it covers my sound yep. so i'm just sneaking 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 but there's still 100 yards out there i'm like well he's gonna have to push that dough or that dough's gonna have to want to go over here so i figure i'm gonna get myself set up on the end and you're pushing daylight too right sun's setting behind me which is good because i the, the there would be some does that would catch my movement sure. and look but the sun was setting directly behind me and my wind was kind of cross so i had a lot of things going for me so I just got to the very last tree and I sat sat there. And finally, probably five minutes, the, the sun sets and you got about 30 minutes of light, you know, legal light, right? And probably 10 minutes of legal light left, which I can still see, you know, there's, there's no issue with seeing my pins or anything like that. And the doe has about had enough of all these bucks and this buck. And so she starts coming my way. He's right on her tail. Well, I lean out to range. I'm ranging her, ranging her. And when she gets out and gets clear, she's like 45 yards and she pegs me. But she, you know, she can't smell me. Now the sun isn't behind me. I don't have that cover, but I'm still up in the tree a little bit. And of course, when she stops, the buck stops. I get a range 50 yards, come to full draw. I mean, he's not even looking at me. He's looking at the He's dough. Looking at the so dough, if yeah. I can get away with coming to full draw and don't blow that dough out, I'm golden. And I do. And I settle that pin. Now, mind you, I have this wind, this crosswind, which normally at last light the wind dies. But it actually was still blowing pretty good. I should have aimed right for his shoulder because the wind was coming from right. left to right. Right. But I instinctively, I settled that 50-yard pin right behind his shoulder, pulled through the shot. And I shoot those lighted knocks, those nocturnals, and so I see it just disappear. And then they all go, right? So there's a whole bunch of deer going, and now it's chaos, and they're all heading back kind of the same way they came out of the out of the cottonwoods. 
but there's tall grass. So I stand up, get my binoculars, and I'm staying on him. I don't even care about my arrow right now. I'm just staying on him. And I'm watching him, watching him, watching him, watching him. And um, he makes it. It's probably 150, 200 yards to the tree line. And then he kind of dips down into a dip. And I'm like, did he go down right there? But the good thing I had was I'm watching his head is down and low. So once they go out of sight, and I know they went into the trees, um, I'm not too concerned. They're kind of close to the property boundary, but I'm not too concerned because I figure they're going to go back for cover. And... um, and there's still little bucks standing out there. I mean, they don't know what's going on, right? So I went ahead and walked out there and got my arrow. Of course, I can see it right there. And it is covered. Like, it's the bloodiest arrow I think I've ever seen. But it's dark. Nice. Dark blood. So I'm going liver. Liver. And when I shot him, and I, I'm i like, man, that I think that was a little back. And I'm not talking back in the guts, but I'm, t- I'm thinking back of the lungs, liver. So I'm like, shoot, what do I do here? And it's now it's getting dark. So I get my arrow, I walk back to the truck, and I'm like, you know what? If I go in the truck, at least over towards there, I'm less likely to bump them too far versus if I was walking over there. So I went over there a little bit, got out, looked to see if I could find blood in the where they came onto the road, and I'm like, I'm done. I'm getting back in. I'm coming back tomorrow. And that's when I jumped in the truck and headed home. And I'm like, I knew he was going to be fine. It's 29 degrees. I was pretty sure he was going to be dead. Right. Um, I don't think it sat in, you know, it had actually how big he was. I don't think that had actually registered how big he was. I mean, I knew he was a good deer. Yeah. I sat there and watched him for an hour. Right. It's a toad. And uh, so I got back. I texted you. You called me, actually. Uh, I called you. Yeah. I called Scott. Um, I called Garrett because I'm like, you know, if, if we get this deer, we need somebody who can take good pictures, you know. Yeah. And, it, and it always helps just to have another person. If, you, if we had to go grid search, man, you know, just eyeballs. So the plan was to be at the gate around first light. And so Scott and I met up. Of course, let, let's go back. I hardly slept. You know how that is. Oh, I, yeah. tr- I just replayed it over and over and I'm worried about coyotes. And I, there's a lot of coyotes out <laughs> here, coyotes. you know. So I, but I had to. I, I, I knew if it was liver, I would get, need to give him four to five hours. Okay. And because we were close enough, if I went in there with headlamps and stuff like that, trying to find blood, it's hard enough in that. And, oh, it, yeah. and it's really that that like beach sand, that really sand, yeah. really sandy sand, and then the cockleburrs, which are a reddish color already, and so it was going to be a a tough blood trail if all we were going to do is do a blood trail. But I was pretty convinced he was going to be going there, bed down, and be dead. So then, fast forward, finally, I think I got up at like four fifteen because I just couldn't sleep. Made pot of coffee, end up meet. Uh, Scott at the gate you were going to go do something and meet us there and then uh, we end up pulling in and we walk down starting at the road where I thought now right away we're just walking I can't we can't find any blood and I'm like shoot I'm uh, he was bleeding so good on there I figured man there's got to be a good blood trail but in a situation I found with liver back shots there's a lot of fat there they can bleed good for a little bit, and then it just gets clogged up with fat. Right, they clog up quick. But I know he's going to die. So here I've given him 10 hours. He's got. He's either dead or he's dead. I'm, I'm, I'm 95% sure he's dead. Now, is he on our property? Did he, you know, I mean, there's all these things going through oh, my yeah. mind. <laughs> Been there, done so, that. So we end up going. I said, well, let's just walk up to where this road comes around, and let's make a big circle kind of surrounding where I think he is. And we started making this loop, Scott and I, and we're looking around, and uh, we got good light now, and and, uh, um, we're walking around, and I see something run out of some scrub brush and stuff like that. And I said, what was that, Scott? And he said, oh, it's a stinking coyote. I said, I bet he's right there. We go around, sure enough, 
There he is. Dead. Was not stiff like no. your deer. Your deer was aboard. I think he died like at three in the morning. Well, that's something I said to you right away when I got over there and, you know, just put my hands on him. I was like, wow, he he hasn't been dead long. He, You're probably right, three in the morning. But I mean, was, we loosened yeah. him up a little bit, but compared to your buck, yeah, like we couldn't hardly move him. Of course, he was in the water, which, of course, kept the, the meat. Which was awesome. Yeah. And I ate the heart. It was delicious, Did by you? the way. <laughs> um, but... I was pretty stoked, and then to to get your hands on him, and I mean, he's got he's 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 wide. He's twenty five, twenty six inches wide. He's deep forks, you know, mainframe four by four with eye guards. But then he's got inline extras on on his backs on both sides. His mass is awesome. And yeah, and and so you know, I unfortunately the coyotes got his rear end so i lost his uh tenderloins and lost both hind ends yep. but his back his back straps were fine and his front quarters were completely fine and i got a bunch of neck meat off him um caped him out cape was beautiful caped him out there was in the back where i shot him you could see where i shot him i actually shot him like i thought liver and and lungs um one lung because I think um, I caught the near side lung. I, I, maybe he was a little more quarter to me than I thought. Anyway, um, but I was blown away. I mean, he was a stud. So I, I came back. I caped him out. I'm like, I got to mount this dude because I don't mount much. I just, <laughs> yeah. I just don't. I, I, mean, I don't have a lot of room for it. And but man, so then I was. I wonder how big he is. So then I, I'm I'm talking to Tanner, who Tanner's the mule dude, oh, yeah. deer guru, oh, yeah. right? <laughs> and um, and so I end up going on Boone and Crockett. They have an online deal, and I got a uh, paracord and used the paracord and then a tape measure because I don't have a – I do actually have one of those measuring tapes, but I couldn't find it. So I thought, okay, I'll use paracord. That's a good way to do it. And me- take my measurement, hold it, and then hold it on the – you know, deal. So um, I measured him out, and um, he grossed one eighty-seven and seven eighths. Wow! And um, for non-typical, he netted like one eighty-two, which I don't care about net. You know, and again, that's gross, and that's me scoring it. So maybe you know, maybe he's one eighty-five, maybe he's one ninety. I, I, you know, you know how that is. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he's a stud either way. Yeah. I mean, I mean just the craziness of the fact that. You kill that buck, and then I get to help you recover him, and then I kill my buck. And, and right after we found him, here you come walking up. I know. And that I was did, cool. I know. I, I was happy to be down there, too, because that was a I, – I kept thinking about the whole time. You know, we don't get to hunt that much, but we hang out a lot, you know, in the off season and stuff. And it was so cool, the fact that you were there with me. You actually found my deer, and then we got it out together. But I was able to at least be there and help you guys get it in the truck. But to, to look at that, hear the story – and see see where it was and yeah well and the cool part was too is like these are dream bucks you know is what i always call them those those real toads and and to go back to back like that as friends you know Mm -hmm. and nail two toad bucks like that and i saw your deer and i was blown away you know the crazy thing is too this is the only hunt that i don't film Mm -hmm. um i started doing it three years ago because i felt like i needed a hunt where i just hunted yeah, absolutely. And um, almost like to remember what it is. You know, it, let me tell you one thing. It is so much easier to hunt without a camera. Holy <laughs> moly, it's so much easier. And, um, you know, people say, well, did you film it? And I'm like, well, I don't know that I could have done what I did and killed that buck. Not that I couldn't have gone in, you know, later like this week or something and sat in a tree stand and had him come underneath me and filmed it i don't know but i know that i probably couldn't have got to the position i did with two people and a guy with a camera um i i I don't know that but i felt like i had a pretty good shot doing it by myself and it would the odds would have quickly diminished had i tried to do it with a cameraman well in some of those experiences when you do stuff like that by yourself um i do a lot of hunting by myself um and i there's times I miss having somebody there, you know, talk to and then think about things, especially when something happens. Right. Um, but I have found it very rewarding too when I've been sitting in those stands 
and you know you kind of think about things you clear your mind mm -hmm. and then you also start thinking about the excitement when you starts you know when dust starts coming up and you start seeing those bucks and things like that come on and that excitement that you do by yourself um it's it's really rewarding but on the other hand too there is times it's nice to have somebody with you and i have never been on camera the way you have but i've done it before and being filmed was one of my most frustrating hunts i ever had in my life and it was with a tag of a lifetime Mm -hmm. And it was one of my most frustrating hunts. And, and I just felt like I, I wasn't myself. I couldn't hunt my way. Um, things were different. So like when I go down here or even out to Nebraska and I do a lot of that, that's a lot of the hunting I do alone. Um, I really collect my thoughts, but I really enjoy the outdoors. Um, there's no stress except on me to make a good shot. And that's all on me. Um, like Nebraska this year, for instance, I was hunting by myself and I took a buck out there. And it just so happens one of my old friends, which is a good friend, we used to hunt together. He hunts a piece of property not too far from me out in Nebraska. And it was so rewarding. I took this deer by myself, but it went into a Russian olive grove. And where we found this deer, I would have never found him by myself. But for him to come over and share that moment with me, it made it even that much better. So yeah. that, that part was cool. Right. But there's a, there's a side to I can understand where you just you're there by yourself without a there's camera. There's definitely like that. something I enjoy about having a cameraman with me to share the experience. Sure. It, it for me and the way I'm built, I'm not a guy who's going to go back solo hunt ten days. I would literally go crazy by myself. I I don't like it. Now when I go solo hunting, I, I like to have my friends there. Right. In a situation like that, like elk hunting. And yeah, stuff. yeah. I, I I don't enjoy that. I don't mind sharing a camp and then you go to your stand and i go to my stand that's totally different because we can come back and still share the experience sure you, you know so that's kind of like what this was except that our our camp was our home because you were going hunting during the day and then you know so it, it it turned out to be pretty cool to be able to in two days two bucks and you know one whitetail one mule deer and both of them just extraordinary stud bucks yeah yeah so but pretty the, blessed but the film thing that you talk about too the one thing that i have done in the past with the gopros i have gotten uh, you know some kills with my gopro it is cool to look back at that and relive it and the thing i have looked at multiple times was you filmed a lot after we found my deer and sent all that stuff to me and it's just that one that I look at a lot that you filmed is when I went down the river and first picked them up. Right. I've looked at that a million times, and it was just cool to catch even that little bit on camera. And to relive, because when you see yourself, you know those exact emotions, and it brings them back. Yeah, I don't know how many hugs I gave you when oh, we found no. That was awesome. <laughs> well, it, it, you know, and that's why I wanted to sit down with you, because this is such a unique two days and two very different hunts. Um, one out of a tree stand, one on the ground, um, but the ability to to harvest two great bucks that are going on the wall, and to have the story where we shared it with you know we shared the enjoyment. You weren't there with me when I shot. I wasn't there with you when you shot, but we were able to be there when we found the deer, and that's that's pretty special. Absolutely, yeah. it, it really is, and it was a great time. And like I said, it was just good to have you there and, and do that. I mean, that's. Yeah. That doesn't happen all the time, you know, no. so. Well, that's, uh, that's the story of what, what we need a snappy name for that. Two days, two bucks. Or, you know, well, I'll have to think of some, some snappy it's, story. It's a unique that. situation, actually. Yeah. It really is because yeah. I was so stoked with mine. And then to see yours, it was just like, wow, yeah. that's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. It is definitely. Well, thanks for listening, guys. And as always, we, we desire to pass on our passion to you maybe to inspire you to go out find what stirs your soul what wild place stirs your soul and embrace it god bless and we will see you down the trail